while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Probably not going to get through it. We've already heard tonight from Holly Robichaud, Robichaud, Rub- if I say it in my Fall River accent, it's going to be, I already had a call earlier tonight from Holly Robichaud. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. But Holly called. She's a representative of the Sheriff Hodgson campaign. And she kind of broke down all of this, um, I think, are scandals um, involving Paul Hero. I can't even, I cannot even say it with a straight face. Who has the audacity to run for Merrick, uh, for sheriff against Tom. Uh, but it was great to have her break that down. And then we heard from Anthony Amore, who's our candidate for state auditor. And he talked to us about um, how we're going to start seeing our tax rebates coming through, uh, which is good news for a lot of people. If you paid state income tax this year, you're going to see a 13 or 14 percent rebate coming to your way, whether it's a tax or um, a check or a direct deposit contingent on how you got your refund the last time. And so that's really exciting, right? Um, guys, just keep in mind the election is coming up. Stay focused. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that come. I, you know, I, I feel like the past couple of weeks have been very, very stressful and. I, I said to to my husband the other day, I said, you know, it's very difficult to work for candidates and get out the vote and hold signs and distribute signs and hold events and go to events. And, you know, in my case, talk on the radio about the candidates and their platforms. And it's such a kick to the gut when, you know, stories come out or... Um, you know, like Haro is talking about, you know, th- there's an ethics violation or something with the sheriff using his his vehicle or what, which is a nothing burger. 
but it takes like the wind out of your sails. And my husband was very quick to pivot about how much time I spent on the phone talking to people about the Paul Horo situation. And he's like, well, what do you think Paul's team feels like with you, you know, talking about these things all the time? And I guess my only issue is, does Paul really even have a team? I mean, this guy is being backed by big money outside the state. Um, and I was um, on Twitter earlier today, by the way, um, not a big fan of Twitter. Um, I've had an account for a very, very long time, going back to 2008 or 2009. Didn't love it. Not into the techie stuff. Facebook's fine. Instagram is great, but whatever. But if you want to be in the know on what's going on in state politics, um, you need to get on Twitter. Um, You just have no choice. (laughs) Things uh, get dropped there. Things move very quickly there. Um, And so I'm back up and using my account. Um, Mrs. Bunny Machado is my tagline or whatever they call it, your handle, your Twitter handle. Um, And so you can follow me there. And I do a lot of retweeting and sharing information. But Frank Phillips, um, his tag is the uh, at Globe Phillips, Globe F Phillips. Got that right. Um, very proud of Frank. He's adding the hashtag Mappily at the end, which is, you know, short for Mass- Massachusetts politics. It's really a great way to find information if you're on Twitter. Um, but he shared earlier today um, that beating Bristol County Sheriff Hodgson for his hard bar prison immigration policies may be honorable effort, but doing it with $466,000 of out-of-state dark money is reprehensible. Two New York City PACs gave the untraceable funds to Attleboro Mayor Paul Haro to beat the trumped sheriff. Hashtag Mapley. Um, you know, and, and we've had a couple callers tonight who's, who said that they support Paul. Um, and when I asked them how they feel about this and these people spending their money, they, they don't seem to have an answer for that. Probably because they have shame. Uh, Earlier today, the sheriff and Paul taped a debate and it aired on um, Channel 12 under the uh, 12 Newsmakers podcast. So you can go to WPRI.com slash news slash elections slash newsmakers or you can just type in in your Google bar WPRI newsmakers and the debate will come up and um you know, I've only been able to listen to a couple pieces here and there because I started the show. Holly obviously gave us a great um, indication uh, that the sheriff did well. Um, I saw a really great, great tweet earlier um, by the sheriff that is calling, uh, gave him a nickname. He says, uh, Haro the Harasser. Um, I love it. But I pulled up a clip. Let's see if we can listen to it and just hear a little bit about how this um how this debate went with me. I want to ask you both about some of the criticisms you faced in the campaign. And I am going to start with Mr. Haro. And I think uh, the topic you were just alluding to, Mr. Hodgson, uh, WBSM radio reported this week, Mr. Haro, that a state labor board released a decision finding that you made, quote, coercive comments about the president of the firefighters union in Attleboro. And notices are now being posted in City Hall saying you violated the law. What do you say to voters who think that's a red flag about your interpersonal skills in a leadership? position. Okay, so that was the first ULP I've lost, and that just came out two weeks before the election. But we're going to win this on appeal. Now, Mr. Hodgson wants to go after my record. He had 25 ULPs, unfair labor practices, in his first two years as being sheriff. He also threatened the jobs of five employees. He suspended five employees for exercising their First Amendment right. This went all the way to federal court. And in that suspension, if you read that case, the uh, Govay and Davington case, you know, he actually 
said, you can go ahead, I'll, I'll fire you, and you can get your job back, but in the meantime, you're going to be making 5 or $6 an hour. And he also threatened their families. He actually said, you know, that if you don't settle this contract, you're not going to get as much money, and, you know, that's going to be a negative impact on your families. It's on page 8 of the Gate, uh, Gouveia and Davington case that, you know, happened years ago. He has seven active lawsuits against him right now. I have zero. And so, yeah, I'm going to win that on appeal. We have a lot of good reason for that. And I do communicate with my constituents a lot through social media. Absolutely. I, it's, a, it's a very effective tool. And, you know, I, I don't think I said anything wrong, but I do wish I had never said anything in the first place. All right, Mr. Hodson, you hear him saying this is a, a pot no. calling the kettle black situation. Your response. So, Mr. Hero again, misrepresents the truth. The fact of the matter is, if he knew anything about corrections, look, when I took over, there were clearly things that needed to be done differently. We had to build in accountability for our staff, more accountability for inmates. And you know what? We had a bad, bad group that was the, the head of the Makufu organization back then who were, were real antagonists who were going to fight us every step of the way. We were trying to build an organization that would be accountable to the people. So, yes, you're always going to get people that are going to file these 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 uh, objections and claims. We have to defend the taxpayer, and, and that's my job. And, you know, for Mr. Hero to suggest that somehow, um, you know, he has the, the temperament, look what he's done. I mean, who goes after the employee? I mean, the, the spouse of an employee, right? Because, and then says to, to the effect that, you know, I could have fired your husband, right? And um, so you need to remember that going forward when you're you're criticizing me i think um you know and there's some other really great clips so i encourage you to to go over and 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 watch this um i find it interesting that paul has claimed that he apologized um the the decision has come that he has obviously violated the law and yet he is going to appeal it um i think that's uh very interesting very telling um and 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 while he's saying this is the first one that he's lost, there are others. Um, conversations this week with um, people familiar with some of these cases um, are, have given me an indication um, that there are more um, things coming coming up. And some of them are, you know, pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, there was a, a complaint made about... So let's let's back it up. I'll tell the story. You guys want to want, want story time with Jess? All right, let's do it. So this whole situation happened with during the COVID lockdown, and, and this firefighter was sick. He was it was not looking good. He, it was as if he was going to die. They weren't sure if he was going to make it. And so the the crux of this whole situation is that the mayor was basically saying to these people, these firemen, these frontliners, that they could not determine that. These people had, and particularly this firefighter, had caught COVID um, while on duty. And so there was literature in place that talked about diseases and how they are, um, you know, communicable uh, to these people, these frontline workers, even prior to COVID. Um, They the firefighters union insisted that the interpretation of this already existing policy included COVID. The mayor was basically saying this was an old policy. It was written pre COVID and that it just uh, didn't apply. The firefighters union, they won, right? So this was determined that this was um, something that would be covered. Um, And, and, you know, I'm hearing that the mayor, allegedly was giving people a really hard time, wanted a lot of proof, whatever. This whole thing happens. And so 
as a result, the mayor put an order in place in his city that there would be nobody in or out of these fire stations. You couldn't come in and you couldn't come out. And so um, basically he's saying, you guys have a problem. You're all catching COVID and we're going to we're going to make sure nobody can come in and out of here so that you can't catch it. Right. Which is insane. Um, But he put the order in place as it was. And so as I was told, um, these guys were working sometimes 70 to 90 hours a week. Uh, Some of them were working 24 hour shifts. Uh, Some people were stuck there because they either had to quarantine or couldn't go to their homes. And so these firemen and firewomen were working. And as you know, anybody who's listening knows these people are nurses, our police officers, our firefighters, our paramedics were the only ones out there working. Remember when everything was locked down and you'd, you know, drive around at night and everything was closed and the lights were off. These guys were still there. They were still transporting patients. They were still dealing with, um, you know, fires. They were still transporting people who had COVID. And so these guys were working hard. Well, apparently, you know, you couldn't even get a delivery of food to the fire stations. And you couldn't get anything delivered. And these guys are in there for days and days at a time. And uh, the story I was told, so let's just say it's allegedly, um, a firefighter uh, ordered a pizza and uh, (laughs) went down to get the pizza from a delivery guy. And I guess this firehouse is close by to where the mayor lives. And he saw that there was going to be a delivery to a pizza and he showed up at the time of the delivery and yelled at this firefighter for getting a delivered pizza to the fire station where he was working during COVID. I heard that he threatened that he would be fired for not following the order, that there was no deliveries or nothing in and out of the fire department. And this story is so similar to the story that we already talked about, which is a mayor blasting this counselor saying that he couldn't transport someone who claimed they were suicidal to the hospital. And I'm, I'm just going to say this. Yes, there are rules and things, but there are certain circumstances where I think there needs to be an interpretation about those rules and the intentions of them. And I I just see this as another one of those examples where just because you can doesn't mean you should, Paul. And it really just lends to the bigger picture of his leadership in this community. The more and more I talk to people, I am hearing stories of people being so dissatisfied with his leadership. This particular style of um, nitpicking, um, not being sympathetic, um, And you know what? If you want to say that there's no real room for that style of leadership, you can't be sympathetic. You have to be a rule follower. And, you know, fine. That's a great argument. But how many stories am I going to hear in one week about the things that this guy does? And we we talked several weeks ago, and I'm going to bring it up after the break, about how he was at a city council meeting and as a resident was advocating against not allowing level two and level three sex offenders to have access to public buildings like libraries. And his comments even during that were unbelievably insensitive 
So much so to the point where a counselor asked him, are you are you a sex offender yourself? Because your defense of them is just bizarre. So let's talk about that when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. 508-996-0500. This is South Coast Tonight with Jess Machado. And this is 1420 WBSM. Last half hour of the show. I think I like Friday nights. I don't think I mind them. Don't worry, Marcus and Chris will be back. It's just one night off. Um, I feel like we've devoted enough of, of time to the the sheriff's race tonight, right? Um, I get a lot of people texting me things, and I got a a text message about a story about a new poll coming out of UMass Amherst. Although some people are telling me that it's not legit and maybe it's coming down. I'm not really sure, but let's talk about it anyway. Um, This new poll um, is basically saying that with early voting and mail-in voting already well underway across Massachusetts, a new poll reaffirms that the governor's race is likely to be handed over to a Democrat for the first time since 2015. That was very hard for me to read. FYI. A new UMass Amherst WCVB poll found that 61% of those polled said that they would definitely support Attorney General Maura Healey or were leaning in her direction. And Republican Jeff Deal has the support of a measly 33% of those polled. And this poll was conducted after the final debate between Deal and Healey and is based on a survey of 700 registered Massachusetts voters who responded between October 20th and October 26th with a little margin of error of 4.3%. Um, looks like only 3% don't know. So if in a dream world, Paul um, Jeff could uh, pull those guys over, that 3%, it's still only going to put him at 30, 36%. Let's even give him the extra 4.3%. Let's run, round it up. Let's give him five. Um, it's still bleak, you guys. Between 58 and 62% of those people polled said Healy is more closely resembling outgoing Governor Charlie Baker, a Republican in ideology policy priorities and leadership style and that the poll found that the economy the health of our democracy and abortion were the top three issues voters would consider when voting for candidates the poll also found that 76 percent of respondents nationwide said that they intend to vote in the upcoming general election if you guys remember one of my very first shows i went out um, and interviewed people that were going into Market Basket in Fall River. And I asked people if they knew who the governor of this state was. And it was almost 50-50. 50% of the people had absolutely no idea. And the other 50% knew it was Charlie Baker. And with a lot of them actually liking him. Just a few real right-wingers 
that lingered on after I pulled the microphone away that still wanted to talk to me about the election and all of those things. Uh, for the majority of the people who knew who Baker was, they 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 liked him and supported him. Um, I think this week I'm going to go back out and do the same type of thing. I think I need to interview people and ask them now who they're going to be voting for this time. Enough time has passed. I think I did that first interview back in July or early August. Um, and so I kind of have, you know, I don't love polls. I'll be honest with you. I've never been polled and I don't know why. I've been a registered voter since I was 18. I've voted in every election, including like my local elections. I never miss. Um, and I've never been polled. How do you get on that list? <laughs> um, so I don't know how I feel about polls overall. And I, you know, I, I vaguely remember because I wasn't really paying attention uh, too closely to state politics. But if I'm correct, um, Scott Brown did not poll well leading into his election and he ultimately won. If I'm correct, I'm probably thinking about it. I think there was actually a, did Scott Brown do a video for Jeff Deal? I think he did. Um, I don't know. I don't get to see much of Jeff's stuff anymore since he unfriended me after I supported Chris <laughs> before the primary and Amanda deleted me too. It's very unfortunate because I'm here. Like, let's go. Like, I want you to win. Um, so I don't know how I feel about polls overall, but, uh, you know, it's not looking good. Who knows? I don't know. Can anything really drastic happen in the next 10 days? It'd be great if he pulled it off because uh, number one, I don't want Healy in this role. I don't want her in the corner office. I think it's, um, it's really scary. Um, that that she's poised to take over. Uh, but more importantly, I would actually like to see what Jeff would do. I really would. And there's a couple of things I do like about the campaign. I will say his lieutenant governor, Leah Cole Allen, um, his, his candidate for lieutenant governor, um, I like. Is it crazy? I don't know if this is crazy, but sometimes I feel like she's the better candidate. Not that she would be the better candidate for governor, but she's a better candidate for lieutenant governor than he is for governor. She has a niche. She is a parent. She is a mom. And there isn't many ads of hers or posts or social media things that I see that don't really resonate with me. It all does. I got an email from her today. Or her team, not personally her. Um, But she, she sent out... Let me pull it up. But I think the the language on it was basically saying um, she was calling you like mama bears, mama bears and papa bears. There goes the accent again. Mama bears and papa bears, mama bears and papa bears, uh, like about your kids. And, you know, I didn't hate it. I really didn't. And. Many times. Yeah, I just pulled it up right now. It says calling all mama and papa bears. Are you concerned about what is happening in our schools and the future of our commonwealth for our children? Join me and Kathy Jo Boss, which is uh, Jeff Deal's wife. Can somebody tell me why she has a different name? Why is her last name Boss and not Deal? Kathy Jo Deal. Kathy Jo Boss. I like Kathy Jo Deal. 
Um, join me and Kathy Joe Boss for a Zoom discussion of what is facing our children and to learn more about the Deal Allen Parents Bill of Rights. You can read it here. Respond to our event. Um, it's Sunday, October 30th at 10 a.m. I actually may jump on this one. So just to give the general feedback, this is the first thing that has come across my phone that I actually feel like I'm interested in and I want to see. Because, you know, I had children in school during COVID. Um, You know, I want to be able to control my children's vaccination schedules. Not the vaccination for COVID. My children are never getting vaxxed for that. Um, but I wanted to be able to control my children's vaccination schedules, which we did, and we stretched them out over a long time. Um, but we were only able to do that under the umbrella of religious exemption in order for them to t- attend public schools. And so these are things I kind of care about. You know, I, I've i talked about this before. Parents and I started to get together, and this is really where the mom gang formed, by the way, um, during COVID when our children were doing remote learning. And they started with, can you believe we even went through this? We went through this crazy schedule where, you know, because of your cohorts, some kids were in together for two days and then you did remote learning on the other two days and you had Wednesdays off. It was just this ridiculous schedule that parents were expected to adhere to. And so... If you had some sort of a learning disability or an IEP or you were a special education student, you were actually able to do full in-person learning because obviously learning over a computer was not ideal or just simply didn't work at all. And so a bunch of parents basically got together and said, well, it doesn't work for our children either and we don't need an IEP to identify that. And so we started advocating and putting pressure on the school department to allow people who were saying their children were suffering from learning over computers to let them back into school in, for in-person learning. And after we all organized and got together on this one Zoom meeting for the school committee, the very next day, uh, I think 10 of the, the moms who had said, hey, I want my kid back in school, they're not learning well, got an email from the school district or the principal saying that their children could go back to in-person learning. And so... You know, this is something that I've already been through. We've had to advocate for our kids. We've had to say, hey, this doesn't work. We want them in person. You know, I advocated against vaccination clinics at our schools, which is is just common sense. There's ease of access to vaccinations everywhere you look. Everybody has I mean, you can get one in Walmart for crying out loud. Um, so we didn't need to have it in school, right? So anyway, saw this thing, thought to myself, this is... This is great. And I have not seen anything on the Healy side or camp about families. I just, I haven't seen anything about that. And so I'm interested and I'm probably going to join this Zoom call. It's October 30th at 10 a.m. If you go to their website, there's a Zoom meeting link. Uh, And I'm interested about it. And so, again, I feel like Leah Allen is... She's just, I don't know, I, I think she's a better candidate. She's got, her, she's got her stance. It's crazy, but I just still don't feel like Jeff really knows what he stands for or what he's doing. And Leah comes off actually strong. She comes off like a mama bear. Like, and I'm, I'm here for it. So, um, yeah, let's do that Zoom call, right? 
Nice job, whoever's running that campaign. Uh, let's take our break a little early so we can get back faster. This makes no sense. It's the same amount of time, but let's get it over with now. Uh, this is 1420 WBSM, uh, South Coast Tonight. I'm Jess filling in for the guys, and we'll be right back after this. Besties. Last segment of the uh, South Coast Tonight show for Friday. The guys will be back on Monday. I'm off tomorrow, so enjoy some Howie Carr playback while I'm in Yukon trying to stop my husband from doing keg stands while we watch Yukon play BC. It's going to be a rage. It's going to be great. Can't wait to babysit everybody tomorrow. Um, I just wanted to talk about something. So the the deal Allen campaign has a parents bill of rights. And so there's some really great things on here. Um, and as a mom, I, I care a lot about this kind of stuff. And I know some of you who listen are not moms, but you must have children in your lives that are important to you in some capacity. And so it's important in the event that Jeff and Leah don't win. <laughs> it's fine in the event that Jeff and Leah don't win I I don't want you to think that this parental bill bill of rights is not attainable so let's just quickly go over this expanding school choice where parents will be given more flexibility to send their children to charter vocational or private schools or even homeschooling if public schools are not an appropriate option and to have the state education dollars follow the child I just want to let you know that in some instances, currently right now, you know, if your child is not experiencing, um, you know, a quality, safe learning environment, you have, you do have options. If your child is in getting bullied incessantly and it's documented and the school has pretty much done everything they can and, and it's still in, it's still continuing and you just can't do anything else. And your your child is coming home and is distraught and distressed. And, you know, your child has to speak with a therapist about this and things are just it's it's bleak. You can go to the school and you can say this is an environment that is not working for my child. It's been documented. We've come to a standstill and I'm going to need you to understand I'm going to find my child outside education and the tax dollars will follow you. So you can advocate for that right now. Eliminating the state COVID vaccine requirements for teachers and students attending public schools and higher education here in Massachusetts and prohibiting schools from requiring proof of vaccination to participate in school sponsored activities. So that it would be great if, if he put in that, um, that type of, uh, requirement but i just want to let you know that you you currently still have the ability to submit a request to your school district and say that your child does not follow the standard vaccination schedule because of religious beliefs 
And in your school district right now, I can guarantee you, you, all you have to do is write an email that says exactly that. You don't have to talk about what your religious beliefs are. You don't have to tell them what religion you are. You don't have to tell them anything about what your religion believes in regards to vaccinations. You do not have to do that. I can tell you that because I have had a letter like that on file for my children for over 15 years. Nobody has ever questioned it. Nobody has ever come back to me. Was I worried that that was going to happen during COVID? A little bit. Um, and and by the way, at a state level, there have been many attempts to try to change um, the legislation through bills to eliminate religious um, exemptions as options for families. Um, myself and several of my friends spoke at these hearings and gave examples on why we didn't think that removing this would benefit families. And it's not all just about avoiding COVID vaccinations. Like I said, I wanted to be able to have the freedom to vaccinate my child in the schedule that I saw fit. So, you know, I don't want my child to get five vaccinations today. I'd like to do one today and I'll come back and see in six months and get the other one and we'll just keep going, which is what we did. So just so you know, in case Jeff doesn't win, (laughs) in case Jeff, in case Jeff doesn't win, you don't have to um, worry that the parents bill of rights isn't something you can work with. Um, the other thing on this bill of rights is requiring parental informed consent for important education decisions, including controversial curriculum uh, subjects and educational materials, human growth and development courses, usage of school library and media health service. OK, so this is basically so that parents would have control and have a better understanding of what your children are actually learning. So if this if Jeff doesn't win, you guys can you have control over that right now. So one of the first things that you can do is you can write a letter to your school committee and your administration and ask them, would they consider posting the curriculum for your school district on a website? I can tell you this is something that we've been advocating for in Somerset for quite some time, and they have made progress with this. My last communication with the superintendent has said that it is a goal of theirs for this school year to get this available on the website. But even if it's not, you can just put in a request in a simple email and ask for the curriculum for a particular class for your child. I have done it multiple times and then I share it in my Facebook groups with parents who don't have the time or knowledge to do it and you have access. This is a big misconception here is that you do not not have access to this curriculum. You may have to go ask for it. You may have to authenticate it, but you, you have access to it. So don't let anybody fool you prioritizing school safety in public school buildings and statewide moms and dads and families do not wait around for people to do this for you. Take my word for it. A group of parents can get it done. Somerset just got another SRO. We wanted police with guns in schools. We worked on it. We advocated for it and we got it. Don't wait around for people to come up with a bill of rights or state legislators to come in and try to do this for you. You have the power and the control. You run your school department. Don't let anybody else tell you differently. Um, Making adjustments to the state open meeting law to require that school boards solicit appropriate public comment from parents during public meetings. Again, not necessary for someone to get elected governor for this to happen. Advocate for yourselves and your families. Get your friends together. Meet people you don't even know. Throw a post up on Facebook in a town group and say, hey, listen, I'm looking for people to come out with me to a meeting because I think we should be able to speak during public input. Fight back. Don't wait for Jeff to do it for you. Um, And then establish a new curriculum oversight 
uh, office with the Department of, uh, well, with DESE, to monitor school curriculum statewide for subjects that are not appropriate to be taught. That's great, and it's fine, but we do live in Massachusetts. So my whole thought process in ending this show, because we're going to take a break, and then we come back, and we only have a couple minutes. This is a great Bill of Rights. This is fantastic, and I'm glad that a governor and a lieutenant governor are using this as part of their platform, but you do not need these people to get this done. You guys can do it in your own communities. Uh, I can teach you <laughs> if you want. We can do a whole show about it after this election, uh, but you can you can do all of those things. Um, the control is more perceived than it's actual. Um, they work for you. School committees work for you. How's that? All right, let's take our last break, and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight. We'll be right back after this. A minute or so to go, and then uh, we're done. We're calling it quits for the night and the week. Pray for all of our candidates. Um, really. <laughs> and I know that may sound corny to some of you, um, but, you know, I end my day every day with prayer in bed. Um, and every morning I start my day with prayer. And, um, you know, I, I I see value in taking time out of our days to pray for our candidates. I think these these men have stepped up to serve in a hostile environment and you know they need our support they need our you know boots on the ground they need our money <laughs> they need a lot of stuff from us um and i also think they need a little bit of intervention from the lord so um you know if you pray to god you know add them to your prayers um especially you know some of my favorite candidates evan gendro sheriff hodgson anthony amore these guys have, you know, a tough, tough road ahead of them these next 10 days, and it's it's going to be hard. Um, and I give them a lot of credit. Uh, having run for office before in a small town, it was hard enough. Um, I, I just can't imagine just on a larger scale and a, a, a larger um, uh, larger area. It's it's hard, especially, you know, the sheriff. It's They're coming at him from a nationwide perspective. Um, and so, you know what? I'm just asking that you guys say a couple of prayers for these guys. Um, you know what? And pray for Paul, too. He needs it. <laughs> uh, Sheriff's got an event coming up next week. I believe it is on Thursday. It is at the National, which is a new uh, bar opening up in Taunton. Um, that's on his website or his Facebook page. Go get the information there. Um, and, uh, you know, support uh, the, these guys in the next 10 days. 